I'm excited uh, for the close of this series. If you're just joining us this week, we are on part three in the final part of a three-week series called The Four Soils. I know I could have made it four weeks, but it doesn't make sense the way that I've preached it. And today we're finally actually getting to the explanation of the parable. You're like, thank goodness, Hilton, you've taken two weeks just to get to explain it. But for those who haven't been with us, you can always catch it online. Um, but the, the, the first week, we, we, we kind of just set up the story where we were, where Jesus was. He was on a boat preaching to the people. And then last week, we got stuck on two words, really, which was the word listen, which means listen and obey. And then we also spoke about that word secret, that God didn't necessarily want to keep any hidden truths from us, but that word secret is, uh, is kind of like, well, when God kind of works in our open hearts, uh, soft soil, that he begins to reveal things to us. And... Um, and the first week we also spoke about how the, the soil uh, represents our hearts and we have to get rid of the hardness in our hearts. So we are now uh, kind of wrapping it up, um, kind of the back end of the story where Jesus has finished teaching all these parables and he's now speaking to his disciples and a few others and they're asking him to kind of, kind of elaborate a little bit more, explain the story a little bit more because some of them were just a little slow to understand certain things and also the way his teaching style was, it was, it was very unique. Um, he, he shattered some mindsets. I even read a commentary, the fact that he even got into a boat and preached out on the water, that was not done before. You know, people would normally, uh, you know, hear teachers speak in synagogues or, you know, in buildings, but he just shattered all those mindsets. And I must admit, I felt a little pressure kind of leading up to this closer. And maybe because, and thank you for, for those of you who have uh, encouraged me with, you know, the series and um, saying you've learned something and you're enjoying the meat and got something out of it. So I really appreciate that. But at the same time, it's like, oh my gosh, people are coming back to kind of get this revelation. But then I discovered something, like I have every week with this series, that was very helpful to me as well. And I'll share it in a moment because it's obviously got nothing to do with me anyway. It's the truth of God's word. But I did feel a little bit of pressure. How do I wrap this thing up? Um, but anyway, here we go. And God's word is going to speak to us today. Are your hearts open? Are they soft? Hopefully. Hopefully you've been on a journey the past few weeks. So let's pick up the story, Mark 4, from verse 13. And we are using the New Living Translation this morning. It's the one I prefer uh, reading, although I do cross-reference with a whole, a whole bunch of others. So then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? We overlap a little bit from last week there. He was like, this is the foundation for parables to come. You have to have an open heart. If you want to hear the stories that I want to share with you, your heart has to be open. The farmer plants the seed, so now he's explaining to the disciples, by taking God's word to others. So the, the seed is the word of God. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message. So he, he now starts to explain a little bit more as opposed to what he just told in the parable, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. 
Another version speaks about the anxious cares of this world, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of life. So no fruit is produced. And that's the point of the seed, right? And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word. Remember our Vision Sunday? They receive it and produce a harvest 30, 60, and even 100 times as much had been planted. You'll remember that from week one, the 100 times. And the uh, Passion Version, which is debatable whether it's a literal translation or an interpretation, and the more I read it, I do start to see that it possibly should have been labeled in uh, kind of like what Eugene's, uh, Peterson's version was the message, but it says the seed that fell into good soil or fertile soil represents those lovers of truth. And that's been our theme this year, that we, it's not like just, well, okay, give me the truth. No, no, I love the truth. I want to embrace the truth. Imagine our kids were like that, guys, for those of you who have kids. It's like, Dad, just give me the truth. I, I want to hear it. It's, it's crazy how naturally as humans, we, we don't want to hear the truth sometimes, particularly the truth about ourselves, because we all have those blind spots and we lie to ourselves. But this is saying that we need to love the truth, embrace the truth. So Jesus said the word of God is like a seed. Okay, it gets planted in our hearts and then has potential. And I say potential because it's not always the case depending on which heart it lands on. But it has potential to bear fruit. But not every seed grows into a plant or bears fruit. The kind of soil it lands on makes all the difference. Now, remember I said I had put a bit of pressure on myself like, kind of, you know, what am I going to give to, you know, to these people, you know, because, and, and really we do check our hearts as pastors, but we, we really want to do the best job that we can, but we also only human, you know, I want to really give something that connects, you know, but then I discovered something about even this parable and really what Jesus did. You see the natural tendency, I read this, is for an audience to critique the preacher. That's a natural tendency. Like often you would leave church on a Sunday and go, you know, you either enjoyed my message or Colin's message or it was really good or whatever. You know, even the worship, you critique things. We, we naturally do that. But here, Jesus, the preacher, critiques his audience. The issue is how well they hear, not how well he preaches. What a relief for me even today. It's actually got nothing to do with me. And just as I was putting a bit of pressure on myself to come up with something, it's actually got nothing to do with me. Yes, I've got to play my part and, you know, uh, I'm just the messenger. But at the end of the day, for us as Christians receiving God's word, it's got nothing to do with how it comes. Because it can come in many different ways. It could come through reading the word. It can come through a song. It can come through a friend. It can come through the Holy Spirit. But the condition is, and the issue is, how well do we receive it? Because the seed will always be sown. But as we've discovered with the story, depending on where it lands and how it lands will determine the outcome. So for you today, you're going to hear the word, which you are right now. It's actually not my responsibility to make it grow in your life. I'm just throwing it out. And like the seed sower from week one, when he threw out the seed, they would do it like this, like, you know, you know that irrigation dance? Does anyone do that one? I remember that one. Some of you ravers back in the day, kissed. But you throw it out, lands on the soil, the, 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 the fertile soil, the path, the rocky places, and the shaly ground. So today that might even be the case. My responsibility is to sow the seed. 
how we receive it is yours. So, again, just to kind of tie up and maybe just set up what we're going to do going forward for today. So it's called the four soils, and arguably this, ser- this uh, parable should have been called the four soils, as opposed to the parable of the sower, because it's more about the condition of the soil than it is about the sower. But I think with everything, and when we receive God's word, we need to take a deep look at ourselves. What is the condition of your soil? And I want to help us put the different soils, and as Jesus elaborates the story, into context for today's living. And it will help us understand where we stand, or what type of soil are we. You see, in Psalm 139, it says, uh, David says, search my heart, O God. And that should always be our attitude as Christians. God, search my heart daily. God, if there is anything in me that's not of you, would you remove it? God, take a good look into my heart. And let's be honest, we're pretty good at taking a good look at ourselves when it comes to our appearance. Something that all of you would have done today, I can almost guarantee it, but you would have looked at yourself a handful of times this morning before you got to church. Maybe when you went to the bathroom to brush your teeth and you looked up, maybe you got a fright, some of you. <laughs> have you ever got a fright at yourself? I'm kidding. Then you would have, pop, you know, got changed. And I'm sure like most of you have one of those longish mirrors in your room where you can actually see what your outfit looks like. Well, I had a look. I was like, do my shoes match? Okay, should I wear this open or closed? Maybe some of you guys aren't like into fashion that much and you're like, whatever, just kind of take out the latest Farmer's Weekly shirt. I don't know. Um, but... But I, you have a look, right, to see what the outfit, if it works. Any honest people in church this morning? Then you would have got in your car, and then you would have had a look in the rearview mirror. You may even use the side mirror, I don't know. Maybe when you got out the car, and as you were walking past, you saw yourself in the reflection of the car, and go, oh, okay, look good. I don't know. But we're pretty good at looking at ourselves, physically. But listen to what James who was the half-brother of Jesus, listen to what he said. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Amazing how it ties in from last week. Listen means to listen and obey. Do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. And I guarantee you, if one of you woke up this morning and your hair was a mess or, I don't know, ladies, you, you can put bass and stuff on, you know, but like, as guys, sometimes it's embarrassing. We wake up and there's this like shiner on our head. Like, what do you do, you know? It's, we, we, we can't like cover it with makeup, but it's like, the one time I'll never forget this, I, I don't know if I could put in on the phone or something, but it was like, well, maybe it was one of those blind pimples, but I, and I went and I played golf and the cap sat on this thing all day. When I took the cap off, it honestly looked like a rhino horn. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was so embarrassing for the next week. And I've told you the story before, but I was lecturing at Bible college at the time and I stood up to lecture and I'm honestly just praying, saying, Lord, please let no one, like, I don't know, say anything because, you know, it's just like embarrassing. And as I... I stood up. First of all, you see everyone's eyes. Like, look up. <laughs> and there was this lady called Laura. She was, she, she was, she's pretty loud. She just shouts from the back, Jeez, Hilton, who shot you in the head? <laughs> oh. But we do something about our appearance when there's something wrong. 
And it says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, you see God wants freedom in our lives. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you a thousand times, a hundred times. We sang a thousand times a few times today with beautiful songs, by the way. The band just did an incredible job this morning. He will bless you for doing it. There is blessing that comes. So let's quickly look at the four soils. And what I want to do is just quickly go through the four. And I want to read the explanation of each in a different version. Because we just read it now uh, with one version. But So let's look at the seed that fell on the path first. So the word says the hard pathway represents the hard hearts of those who hear the word of God. But the slanderer, which is the devil, the enemy, quickly snatches away that was sown in their hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. You see, guys, that if the devil can snatch away what has been sown, he, will, he can hold you back. He knows what the, well, the power of the word of God and Jesus can make a difference in your life. So he's terrified. He doesn't want it to take root. And it's like... Basically, to help us understand this today, it's like God's word falling on deaf ears, either because um, you, it isn't understood or there is no effort to understand. And the message never gets absorbed before it is snatched away by the devil. You see, these type of pathways, and if we relate it to our lives, they're hard pathways. They, it's a thoroughfare. I mean, if you go hiking in the berg, you, it always amazes me how a path first forms, but, don't you find that amazing? Like, how did it just happen, you know? And pathways, you know, come just over time and wear and tear and, and being trampled on and walked on. And life can be like that. Sometimes we get walked on, we get walked over. You know, life can crush you. And the seed that's on the half pathway, as people stand on it, it can crush you, it can squeeze you. But not only that, but the, the seed can be snatched away because there's nothing to grab onto. Either by the wind or even, you know, the birds would just come and pick up the seed. And sometimes, if we're honest in life, it's just easier to go with the flow, to, to, to go on the pathway. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a big crowd before in 20, was it 2019? Um, we were finishing our moment record as 24 Scars in the UK. And it was amazing timing because uh, South Africa were playing England at Twickenham and I, and I got to go. And I tell you, you come out the, the tube or the train station and there's, it's quite a road that you've got to walk down to, to, to Twickenham. I don't know if anyone's been there. But the crowds, it was just like everyone's just walking. You almost don't even have to like step because people just push, you know. And, and I always thought, imagine the poor person who's just leaving their house to go get some milk up the road. You know, I mean, how do you even, how do you even go against it? It's impossible because there's just thousands of people walking down this road. And sometimes it, it feels so difficult in life to go against the flow. I've mentioned this over the years various times, but I had a poster on my, on my wall when I was a kid. Um, and I, I vaguely remember it. I, I don't remember it well. And I just remember Romans 12, the scripture, and there was this little Christian fish, don't put it up, if you haven't put up yet, don't put up, uh, this little Christian fish swimming in the opposite direction from all these like funny looking fish. And I had it on my wall, I don't know if you remember it, mom and dad, and I did a deep, dark Google search yesterday. I was like, I've got to find this picture. It has to be out there somewhere, you know what I'm saying? If it's been printed somewhere, it has to be there. And I found it, the exact picture. Well, this was printed on a t-shirt, but I found the poster that was on my wall. 
Don't be conformed, you know, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And there's that little Christian fish. And funny enough, I haven't seen a Christian fish on a car for a long time, but just yesterday, I saw this car drive past a little Christian fish on the back. It used to be a deal back in the 90s, right? Um, but, you know, you've got this little fish just swimming the opposite way. And I always remember that kind of bottom left one with the light, you know, it was like, you know when you're a kid, I had this image and, and this is the exact poster I had on my wall when I was a kid. So I was fascinated to, to find it and just the image, you know when you see something you haven't seen for a long time. And sometimes like this poster, it is just easier to go, you know, with everybody else, especially when, you know, there's some angry looking people coming at you. But the Bible asks us to walk the opposite way. Matthew Poole, who is a theologian, he says this, there are some that hear the word, but never meditate on it, never lay it to their hearts, never cover it with second thoughts. And that's, to be honest, what happens often with the seed that goes out on the hard pathway. And are the seeds, the truth of God's word in your life falling on the path? And signs that they are potentially is like, you're just like the rest of the world, just like the rest of the religious Christians. You, you pray religious prayers. You read the Bible, but it doesn't really connect. It, it doesn't sink in. It's just like, it's just boring, maybe. Maybe you pray every now and then, like after a week or so, you're like, jeez, I haven't prayed in a while. And then, you, I don't know, you give the Our Father a bash, or, or maybe it's the same religious one. Or maybe sometimes you just ignore God. You kind of feel that he's there, maybe trying to say something, or even now at church today, but the heart is a little hard. Those are some signs that it's falling on the hard pathway. Then the second analogy that Jesus gives is a seed that fell on the rocky ground. And let's just pick this up in this other version. The seeds falling on gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy. But soon afterward, when a season of difficulty and harassment of the enemy comes to them, they wither and fall away for they have no root in the truth and their faith is temporary. So these are people that receive it with, yes, this is amazing, and they quickly grow, and, but then they don't have any depth. It's kind of like the seed that fell on the rocky ground is like getting excited about a New Year's resolution. I think we all do it. I'm gonna lose some weight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start to exercise and I'm gonna, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna, I've done that so many times, but I'm grateful to say that a year and a half later, I'm still running by God's grace. I'm gonna stop smoking, I'm, I'm gonna do this. And, and then you start off at the beginning of the year with great enthusiasm, but before long, it becomes a chore, a chore and it's, it's easier just to forget the resolution and just to keep doing what you were doing the year before. Let's be honest, how many times do we do that? And this is kind of the same thing. There's no sustainability. There's no longevity. And guys, we see this so much in the church. I don't know if you've discovered that. Like maybe you might even know someone. Like where the, where's that person? They were so excited. They were standing in the front worshiping and where are they? And often I feel sad sometimes. It's just maybe my pastor's heart. But I'm like, I just, I don't want to force people to come, but I just feel sad. I'm like, where are they? They were so excited, you know, jumping around in the front. And I remember on a Sunday night as well, that whole area there was just full of young people. And like, where are they? I get frustrated. Like, where are they? And then you start to read this and you're like, the seed never took root. And remember, this type of ground is also hard. So it can't take root. 
They get enthusiastic, but they quickly burn out. And let me just say this, maybe you never heard, thought of this before, but perhaps your root isn't in God yourself, but your root is in perhaps your parents' faith, young people. Or your root is maybe in the pastor, because it can be like that. But you don't have it for yourself. You're like, pastor, give me the revelation. A lot of Christians like that. But you don't have revelation yourself. Or the root is even in, in the church, like there's a vibe here. But the root is not in yourself. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're enthusiastic because of the surrounding that you find yourself in, but as soon as you're out of this enthusiastic environment of Open Skies Church, no vibe, it's gone. As problems come, this is what the word says, and as difficulties come, you're gone. And you know what's crazy is we end up blaming God, we blame the church, because your root was in the church, not in, not in yourself, God in you. This quote hit me. This is Charles Spurgeon. I don't know if you guys have read any of his stuff. Listen to this. Then there are many more whose religion must be sustained by enthusiastic surroundings. They seem to have been baptized in boiling water. And unless the temperature around them is kept up to that point, they wither away. The religion that is born of mere excitement will die when the excitement is over. Let that never be of us as Open Skies Church. It is an exciting place to be. Okay. But let it not be rooted in the excitement and the vibe. The Bible says be rooted and established in love. Listen to what Ephesians 3 says. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. It's in your heart. It's not in me. Yes, I'm partly responsible for your spiritual journey and your growth. But you are ultimately responsible. You will stand before God one day. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Some versions say it's rooted and established in love. And may you have the power to understand. This, this is this revelation that we've been talking about. As God's people should, how wide, how long, how deep, how high is his love. So is your faith, sorry, not your faith, is, are the seeds of faith falling on rocky ground in your life? And here are some signs. Maybe you just give God some time when you have some time. I'll give you my leftovers, God. Uh, you know, we try to have a, a morning devotion with our family. And I try and explain to the kids, because sometimes if they're running late or they're just not there in time, they're like, Dad, we, we just don't have time. And they look at me like I'm mad when I say, rather not have breakfast and come and sit here and eat real breakfast. Seriously. They're like, that doesn't make sense. We're going to be starving. I'm like, what's the first thing to disappear in the morning when we're in a rush? We put clothes on. Okay, please put clothes on, okay? But we, we do all these other things. Make ourselves look good. You know, make sure we've eaten, done whatever you need to do. Get to the meeting on time, which is important. But we will first just give away our time that we would have with God. And I'm trying to instill this in my kids' life. Like, you cannot substitute this for anything. And they're battling to understand this. But often that's the case, you know. Do, do, does your faith wobble when you get tested? Because this is what it says, that when troubles come, when issues come, do you go through long seasons where you, you out, but then you back in, and then you out, and then you back in? And we see that with people in the church. 
And there's a very harsh scripture in the Bible, but I think if you understand the context of it and, um, you know, um, it's the scripture on being lukewarm. Revelation 3.15 says this, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out my mouth. Some versions say I'll vomit you out. And kind of the picture, the understanding of that is it's like, there's nothing more, like worse than lukewarm food, you know? It's like, you know, sometimes you put food in the microwave and then you sit down, you're so excited and you like take a, a first mouthful and the one on the edge is like nice and hot. You're like, yes, I'm so excited. And then you, as you get further in, it's cold. And it's like, ah, oh. and then you, go, you, you all do it. Eh? You got to get back up and you stick it back in the microwave, you know? It's horrible when something is lukewarm. Rather, let it be one or the other. Are you with me? Same as with when it, sometimes our taps, it takes quite a while for the cold, I like drinking coldish water. Um, I know warmer water is meant to be healthier for you, but there's nothing worse on a hot day when you go drink some water and you just want some nice cold water and you've got a minute of like hot water, warm water coming through the taps. Drinking warm water is disgusting, you agree? And that's what he's saying is like, be one or the other please, because that is, ugh, it's terrible. Three, the seed that fell among the thorns. The seeds that fell into the weeds, Luke 8, represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares, riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of life. We might do a series on that later. There's no ways that you can teach into all three of those in one message. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. You know, the, the seed that fell among the thorns is, is like wanting something very badly, but letting other things get in the way of that, from you accomplishing those things. For example, you want to spend more quality time, you know, with your, with your family, for example, and, you know, but then you choose to stay at the club after the round of golf and be there till late at night, you know, and like, oh, then you feel bad. Okay, next time I'm going to spend more time with the family. And we, we have this constant, like, struggle, you know, and I remember having that when I had young kids and I was playing league squash. And, and it was Tuesday nights, but then also Thursdays, and then you'd have to also go on Fridays. And, you know, then the guys always want you to stay afterwards, and I always felt bad. I couldn't, like, just leave and be the, you know, the, the weird pastor guy. And, but there was this, like, eventually I had to just stop doing it for, for a season. Um, and sometimes you've got to stop doing certain things if you want to invest into another, another area. Like, at some stage, guys, can I just be honest? You need to grow up and... Stop playing PlayStation until two in the morning, you know, if you're married with young kids. Let's just be honest. Hey, Colin, that's why you sold yours. Tony made you sell it. You never had one. You had shares in one, I remember. <laughs> Colin said that one night he did, he came home and he had a choice. Does he go left to PlayStation or right, you know? And Tony just looked at him. So he went right. <laughs> that's true. I read an interesting commentary on this. It says, we might say this ground is too fertile. The word of God grows there, but so does everything else. And everything else soon begins to crowd out the word of God. I'm a person with serious FOMO. I, I like to not miss out on anything. But sometimes this is a problem when you, when you can't be too focused. And I've had to learn to, to really grow in certain areas. You, you have to cut out other areas. You see, for the seed to grow, you've got to get rid of the weeds or the thorns. And the Bible very clearly speaks about things that choke your life. And if the seed is falling in that type of soil, these are the three things. The worries of life, 
Another version says, the anxious cares. And you know, when I read that, I immediately thought of Matthew 6, because it's such a beautiful scripture on worry. And it says this in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothes? And I know you, you may say, Hilton, but that's, you know, you, you, surely there's so much to worry about. I think there's a difference between worry and concern. You see, worry is more inward focused, where concern is more outward focused. You can certainly have concerns about things in life. But when you start to worry and you stress and you get overwhelmed and internalize it, and that's why we have a lot of the issues that we have in the world today. Bible says, don't worry. Give it over to God. Easier said than done, I know. Two, the lure of wealth, or some versions say the deceitfulness or the seduction. Luke says the riches of this world. Two Timothy says this, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. You see, if we want to be lovers of truth, we can't also be lovers of ourselves and lovers of money if we want to be lovers of truth. It's one or the other. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I don't know if you picked this up, though. Amazing how Jesus often spoke in uh, things together. Matthew 6, 24, and the verse that I read a little moment ago about worry is what, Matthew 6? 25. This is amazing. You can see how he's tagging things together the whole time. These things work together. And then the third thing that he speaks about that chokes is the desire for other things. Luke says the, the fleeting pleasures of this life. And I know we meant to enjoy life. I really get that. And there's so many things that we should enjoy, but not more than God. And you're seeing that, you know, right now in the world. You know, a lot of people have changed their habits and, you know, it's... Uh, go for a breakfast, but maybe not on a Sunday morning in Miss Church. Go after church. Beach on a Sunday is amazing. Go to the beach, but then come in the evening. See what I'm saying? So often these pleasures of life, which are great, but if they choke or crowd what God is wanting to do in your life, then it becomes a problem. And eventually your growth is stunted. Maybe a son if your faith has been choked by thorns, is, does your spiritual life just feel stagnant, like it's not growing? You see, things can't grow when there's thorns that are all around it and weeds. I remember when we, uh, I saw Mr. Wayne Burgess at the back there, he came and gave us some help in our garden, but I wasn't sure if our grass was actually grass. I, th I think it was mainly weeds, because apparently if it doesn't have deep roots, you can just pop out, and every bit of grass that I tried to, they all just came out easy. I was like, my gosh, this is actually weeds. And we had to like nuke the grass. And it was just before lockdown. That's why we had a goat track basically for, for our volleyball court the whole way through lockdown. It was just, everything died. But you have to. You have to, if you can choose what you want choked. Other signs or maybe, you know, just church is not really a priority anymore. You'll just come every now and again. I know Faith is not about church, I get that. But church is so important because you're placing yourself in an environment so that you can grow, like this morning. Aren't you grateful you came to church this morning? 
perhaps even worldly goals. You know, you, you strive for, for things that don't really matter. The fleeting pleasures of life, those don't really matter. Or perhaps you, you trust more in your own ability. But you know what will happen if you trust in your own ability? You're going to end up being fearful because you're going to definitely doubt yourself at some stage because we all doubt ourselves. But one person we don't have to doubt is God. And then the last is the seed that fell on the good soil. And it says here, that, that seed that fell in the good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word. We need it, guys. Keeping it dear as they endure, endure all things of faith. You see, if you remember earlier, the other soil, it, it spoke about when troubles come. Troubles will come. But if you have no root, that's when you're out. It says here, keeping keeping it dear as you endure all things of faith. We will endure things. This seed, this is a seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives because the roots go deep. You see, this parable shows that when the word is received as it should be, something happens. Fruit is produced. If nothing happens, then the word is not being received as it should. And the seed that fell on the good soil is, is really just seeking Jesus with all we have. You know, Jeremiah 29 says, we always know Jeremiah 29, 11, but a few verses after that, it says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Good soil makes Jesus a priority. It makes making time for him rather than trying to squeeze him into your busy schedule. It means pursuing a personal relationship with him as you would pursue a relationship with something else or something that you enjoy doing. Getting to know him, speaking to him often, trusting him, making time for him, treating him with love, kindness, and respect. Do we long for him, church? There's a famous worship song that this actually became a bit of a joke. Whenever I'd lead worship, I'd say to Jen, any song do you think we should do? And she would say, as the deer. <laughs> you know the song, as the deer pants for the water. But it's a beautiful passage. Uh, David uh, gives this imagery of someone longing for something and he says as the deer longs for streams of water so I long for you O God I thirst for you the living God when can I go and stand before him do we long for God like you know after a workout where you're just like your mouth is so dry that you're like I have to have water do you long for God the same way is your faith falling on, falling on good soil and signs that they are is God's your number one Worship is a lifestyle. It's in all aspects of your life. You're hungry for more. You thirst for more all the time. You, you're signing up to college. You, you're reading the word daily. You're full of the spirit as well. It's like daily, yes, we go through troubles, but you God, like everything is in your hands. Like I just feel alive because that's what joy is. Do people see Jesus in your eyes, which is a window to your soul? You should be able to see Jesus in your eyes. So as we wrap up the series, what kind of soil are you? I mean, it'd be pointless reading this. Remember, the responsibility is on the hearer. What kind of soil are you? And you've been looking at this for the past 30 minutes, wondering when I'll bring it in. So Jonah, as you do when you're at school, you always grow some kind of bean or something. And this found its way into my room this past weekend. And, and it was just sitting there all weekend. 
And eventually I looked at it and I was like, oh, maybe God's trying to say something. I don't even know why it's in my room. But anyway, it's pretty obvious. But for that seed to grow, it needed to fall onto something soft. That's why they put cotton wool in here or you put tissue. But then it needed two other things for it to grow. What are those two things? Water and light. Jesus is the seed. He's sown the word, but it needs to fall on soft soil, a soft heart. And then it gets sprinkled with the water and that is a representation of the spirit of God in the Bible. We need God's spirit in our life and we need to be spending time with God, with Jesus, who is light, light of the world. And I was like, oh, okay, God, that's why it's been there in my room. And this is pretty impressive. This has taken a few days to grow, eh? and it sprouted up quickly. But we probably need to take it out of here at some point because it can't put its roots nice and deep, and we need to put it into some soil where it can sustain. I don't know what you do with these things. Do you throw them away at some point? I don't know. But the good news is this as I close, because I don't want anyone to ever feel guilty. Like, God, like, okay, I'm that shaly soil, or I'm that path, or I'm that hard ground, or I've got thorns all over me. We should never feel guilt when it comes to church, but we certainly should feel convicted. And the beautiful thing about God, and the story as we wrap it up, is the farmer keeps sowing the seeds. You don't only have one shot at this, although you do have one shot at life. But the farmer in his grace and his mercy keeps sowing the seeds. And today we have another opportunity to ask God to change the condition of the soil of our hearts. And that's our responsibility. And then we water it to see if it grows. And to close, I shared this scripture in the first week, Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, I will give you a new heart. Thank, thank you, God, for that. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Isn't that amazing? This is, this is a prophet many, many years ago that spoke this. And because of God's grace, because of Jesus, he can remove our heart of stone and turn into a heart of flesh. So I think let's wrap up the series today. Let's just spend a moment. Let's pray. And let's ask God to do that in our hearts as we close it up. Father, thank you so much um, for this story that you shared 2,000 years ago. It's incredible. Um, but it almost feels even more relevant today. And uh, I pray that as the seed has gone out these past three weeks, Lord, really challenged us. God, would you help us be real with ourselves, not lie to ourselves, but truly identify even this morning just the condition of our heart. And God, if the seed is falling on one of the first three types of soil, God, would you just gently by your love and your grace and your mercy just convict us this morning but there's something you need to do church and it's something that maybe isn't sp spoken about enough but you need to repent this morning <laughs> see repentance is 
not just saying, it's not like remorse, or I'm sorry for the situation I found myself in, but it's truly saying, God, I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? And I want to turn. See, repentance is turning 180 degrees and going in the opposite direction against the flow, like that poster we showed you earlier. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Just take a moment. Just, it's you and God. It's your responsibility. I can lead you in a prayer, but it's your responsibility. Take a moment. Ask God to change your heart today, especially if it's hard.